Hi, and welcome to episode 9 of season 2 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, the lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. So today we'll be talking about Ares, uh, like with the last two deities, we'll use this episode to discuss his origin story slash birth story, epithets, and lovers. Then we'll go into a part two on like his famous stories, and then we'll at least go to a part three for kids and their kids and so forth. But we'll wait and see uh, how that turns out. So yeah, uh, I don't think I have much else to say before we get started, so let's just dive right in. Um, so his birth story is pretty simple. He's either just a son of Zeus and Hera, which is the most standard version of the story, or, according to Ovid's Fasti, he was actually the child of Hera, uh, but she produced him parthenogenically. So what that means is, is she like produced him on his own. This is after she touched a flower from Olenus, and this was said to be in retaliation to Athena being born in like a kind of parthenogenic manner, although it's a bit different. Um, but yeah, that is just kind of the story. This is a pretty unique version. I think it's only seen in Ovid's Fasti. I don't think I've ever heard about it anywhere else. According to Statius's the Bayad, he was born among Odrysian snow, which points to his connection to Thrace, where the Scythians are said to have sacrificed animals to him before a sword that was said to have represented him. The reason I mention this is sometimes he's said to have been imported from Thrace. Um, if you remember when I talked about Apollo, I think I mentioned how he was maybe imported from Asia Minor, and that's why he was on the side of the Trojans during the Trojan War. But yeah, that just also helps explain a little, like, his involvement in a lot of stories in regards to Thrace and, like, their people. So yeah, he was a Greek god of war, which was pretty much his only domain, except he was not really good at fighting, or warring for that matter. He lost very, very, very consistently. It's kind of sad for uh, the Greek god of war, but seemingly that was just the way the Greeks saw him. Um, It was a more, like, primal war, I think. So he's usually depicted as a warrior in armor, as a warrior in armor, very natural, and he had a few sacred animals, including like snakes slash serpents, the vulture, and usually like hounds slash wolves slash dogs. I think hounds and wolves are usually the way to go, although Apollo you can associate with the wolves. Dogs, I mean occasionally there are some sacrifices involving dogs to him, so I guess you can associate them with him, but really the hounds and wolves, like the more violent uh, notion of animals. And sometimes he's associated with fertility, but we'll discuss that a little later, and then I'll explain more in depth. So, according to Pausanias' description of Greece, there is a sanctuary along the road that leads to Therapne from Eurotas that that surnames him Theratos. Um, This is possibly after his nurse Thero. This is just an epithet of his, but it's like a seemingly interesting version of like, you know, okay, when he was born, who was he given to? Because seemingly a lot of gods are given to random people to be raised. And yeah, but no Greeks seem to know of this, at least like initially. Like maybe it seemingly got imported from the Colchians, um, but it's not like a true, like original Greek idea. But in Roman tradition, he was known as Mars, um, a contracted form of Ma Wars. He was known as Gradius when specifically we're referring to him as a war deity, and Silvanus as an agricultural deity. As Mars, he had an attendant bird, which is a woodpecker named Picus, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and also in Roman myth, Bellona is thought to be the Greek Enyo, and was sometimes his companion, wife, or sister, just depends on your version. And as Greek Ares, he is also said to have a companion that kind of like a 
trail of like followers, like a band. So he has Enyo, who's also with him. Um, and then Eris, the goddess of strife. Although Eris and Enyo can be like conflated pretty consistently. So it's kind of debatable whether to keep them separate or together. We'll just keep them separate otherwise. And yeah, that's pretty much everything on his origin and birth. So we can move on to the famed epithets section. So the first epithet we're going to talk about is Aphneus, A-P-H-N-E-I-U-S. This title describes how he is like a giver of food or general nourishment. It was gained after his story with Aerope or Aerope that we will discuss later on in this episode. Then we have Enyalius, E-N-Y-A-L-I-U-S. This is just a description of how he is warlike, thought to be possibly a son of Ares and Enyo, who is another personification of war. Sometimes it is a Thracian Enyalius who Ares killed and got the name from. Again, nice connection to Thrace and but and, I, and or but I guess, but just another little note that goes back to something I was talking about earlier. In Sparta, youth sacrificed young dogs to Ares and Yalius. So this seems to emphasize more of a epithet than a child he ended up producing. And there we have the young dogs connection. Next, we have Gunaikothoenas. I will spell that G-Y-N-A-C-O-T-H-O-E-N-A-S. This means the god feasted by women. Um, allegedly, he was given the surname when the woman of Tegia, during a war between Tegia and the Lacedaemonian king Carillus, made an attack that decidedly won the war, and they had a pure woman's feast slash celebration to Ares, giving him this name. Then we have Hippias, the classic staple like horse epithet of just a ton of deities. We have Mamertus. Seemingly, this is a connection between the Italian god Mamers and the Greek Ares. Uh, I think Mamers just got associated with Ares, and that's where we get the Mamertus epithet. Then we have Stratius, another just warlike epithet. And then we finally have Theratos, as I already discussed this story. Um, the only new piece of information is there's a, the sanctuary that I talked about, where it's like gets the surname Theratos, is said to have been brought by the Spartan Dioscuri from Colchis, actually, which is pretty neat. So with all those epithets, uh, we can finally go to his list of lovers. So the first lover on our list is Aerope, or Aerope. She was the daughter of Cepheus, king of Tegia in Arcadia. Ares slept with her, unsure whether it was rape or not, didn't really seem to clarify, and she died giving birth to a son named, son named Aeropus, whom Ares enabled to still suckle his mom's breast to survive. The hill where Iropus was born was named after him, and this is the story where Ares gets the epithet Aphneus. So now you can kind of see like the whole nourishment thing and how does that uh, tie in, which maybe connects him to like the fertility as well as that kind of concept. Next, we have Aglaurus or a yeah, Aglaurus. I think is how it's always spelled. Is Aglaurus or Aglaurus? I don't know. I think Aglaurus is much better. She was a daughter of Cecrops and Autochthonus, king of Attica, a.k.a. the region where Athens is, and Aglaurus, daughter of Actaeus, allegedly the first king of Attica, who was seemingly Autochthonus as well. So Aglaurus's mom is Aglaurus. Very confusing. Anywho, she bore to Ares a daughter named Alcippe, who will have a pretty significant story in the uh, when, once we get to like the next episode, even though I would usually save it for once we start the kids it will just naturally get tied in. 
Next, we have Althaea. She was the daughter of Thestius and Eurythemus slash Leucippe, who we already talked about in the Apollo se- section, and sometimes said to be by Ares, the mother of Meliager, a famous hero from Caledonia. Next, we have Aphrodite. We already discussed their story in the Aphrodite episodes, so we're just going to list their children again with one new addition. So we have Phobos, Deimos, Harmonia, and Eros slash Cupid. And then we have Anteros, which is just seemingly like, it's just like Anti plus Eros, and you get Anteros. Um, it's like the god of unrequited love, hence the Anti slash Avenger of unrequited love. Seemingly, this was more of a concept than an actual god um, that they would like worship and stuff, but it did get mentioned in various works here and there, so I just included it, whether or not I fully agree with it being a real thing. Next, we have Asteria, Asteria, Asterope, one, so all of those are possible names. She is said to be a daughter of Atlas and possible mother of the king Diomedes of the Bistones of Thrace, but really ignore Asterope there. I'm just putting it just to cover all the bases, but Asteria slash Asteria is usually the way to go for that. Then we have Asteria slash Asteria slash Asterope 2. And she is a form, she is like a form for the name of the Pleiad Steropi. So like Asteropi versus Steropi is just like an A or an Alpha, I guess, in Greek. And she was a mother of Oinomaeus and Evanus, possibly. Usually Evanus is the child of Demonacy. And in this version, only keep in mind Asterope. Like, I don't think it's really worth knowing the other ones. It's just Asterope or Sterope. She was a Pleiad. But yeah, the other two names for her, this version two, are not really useful. Again, just putting them to play it safe. Next, we have Astyoke. She was a daughter of Actor, son of Azaeus, who is a son of Climinus, a king of Boeotian or Commonus, if anyone remembers that very long tangent I had to go on Boeotian and Archominus a while ago. And she bore to Ares, Ascalaphus, and Yalminus, co-kings of Boeotian or Commonus. Next, we have Atalanta. She was a daughter of Yasus or Minalis or Scoenius, and sometimes she by Ares instead of Meliager is said to have borne Parthenopius. Then we have Chrysi. She was a daughter of Almus, king of the Almones near Boeotian or Commonus, and was a possible mother of Phlegios by Ares. This relates, I mean, just like the distance relates the whole, like, okay, how did Phlegios even end up in Boeotian or Commonus? Next, we have Cyrene. She is Aeneid, who was said to be the mother of the king Diomedes of the Bistones of Thrace, just another possible person. Then we have Demonacy or Demonachy, if you want to do like a hard C, which would be a kappa in Greek. She was a daughter of Agenor, an Aetolian king, and Epicasta, and she bore to Ares, Evanus, Molus, Pylus, and Thestius. Then we have Dotus. She was just some Boeotian woman who possibly bore Phlegios to Ares, so Dotus and Chrysi are usually his two possible parents. Then we have Enyo, so usually associated with Eris, goddess of strife, as I've already mentioned, um, she is said to have been the mother of Enyalius by Ares, who, as I already discussed, is sometimes said to be a son, but more often an epithet, and I would think keep it that way. Next, we have Eos. Um, they just had an affair. That's that's literally it. They just had an affair, but no children. Um, don't really know the explanation for that, but I just didn't have any children, which seems pretty weird. 
Next, this one's really weird. We have Erin's Telfusa, so E-R-I-N-Y-S, so Erinus maybe, Telfusa. Seemingly, this is a possible name for Demeter, who was worshipped at the town Telfusa under the name like Erinus or Erin's. Um, either way, not really sure. I don't uh, know how accurate that may be. And allegedly, they Demeter and Ares or Aaron's Tolfusa and Ares produced the Asminian dragon. It's like the serpent at Thebes that we'll get to talk about a lot later. Um, but yeah, it's like it's like a pretty significant dragon. But seemingly, there's no like explanation on like who the mother is or how this dragon came to be. But this is one possible version. But I don't know how much of a fan I am of it. But we'll go with it. Next, we have Harmonia. She is described as a nymph from Anatolia who lived in the Acmonian woods where she slept with Ares and bore to him Otrera slash Otrera or the first generation of Amazons. The Acmonian woods is near Themyscira, which is where the Amazons are from. And I assume she's probably like a nymph of a spring or fountain, either of or near Themyscira where the Amazons lived. And that's kind of how she came to be known as the mother of the Amazons. Otherwise, I don't really see how this like story just comes about, you know. Anywho, next we have Harpina, H-A-R-P-I-N-N-A. She is a daughter of Asopus and Metope and bore to Ares Oinomaeus, a king of Pisa, and founder of a town called Harpina named after her, although this Harpina only has one N, which I think is just a typo. Otherwise, that's really that's a really odd typo or a really weird choice to randomly shorten to one N as opposed to two. Next, we have Minerva. So this is a purely like Roman story. Mars was said to have loved Minerva and had the old goddess Anna Perenna to speak for him. After a while, Anna Perenna said that Minerva had consented to marriage, but or marriage, I guess, maybe more like a meetup. But on the day he went to claim Minerva and raised the veil from her face, which kind of points towards the marriage, he saw Anna Perenna, which I think is just like a hilarious story. Next, we have Nerio. She's just sometimes said to be the wife of Mars. So this is just another Roman thing. Then we have Otrera. Otrera was like the first king of the Amazons and either a daughter of Ares and Harmonia or otherwise of unknown parentage. She's credited with being the founder of the Temple of Artemis in Ephesus. And she, by Ares, mothered Hippolyte slash Hippolyta, uh, Antiope, Melanope, and Penthesilea. They're all like pretty famous Amazonians that we'll eventually get to talk about in this section. Next, we have Pelopia. She was a Thessalian or Macedonian woman who bore Cycnus to Ares. Cycnus being spelled C-Y-C-N-U-S. Or maybe sometimes it has a G, but like Cygnus, but it's whatever. Next, we have Philonome. She was a child of Nyctimus in Arcadia who hunted with Artemis, but Ares raped her in the guise of a shepherd, and she bore the children Lycastus and Parhasius. Uh, P-A-R-R-H-A-S-I-U-S, but out of fear of her father Nyctimus, she threw them into the river Aramanthus or exposed them on the mountain Aramanthus, and either they floated safely due to divine presence or they just ended up at like the trunk of a hollow oak tree where a wolf found them, chucked her own kibs, kibs, I was trying to say cubs and then mixed kids, Tried to, she chucked her own cubs into the river before taking care of these two children. I just don't get that part. That doesn't make any sense. I guess I guess it's myth. Gotta explain it somehow. But that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, you don't just throw your kids... I don't know. 
whatever. That's seemingly what happened. Doesn't sound true at all, though. And then a shepherd named Gilliphos, G-Y-L-I-P-H-O-S, found them and raised them with the names Lycastus and Parhasius. So she didn't give the names Gilliphos did. Next, we have Protogonea. She was a daughter of Caledon and born to Ares, an Aetolian named Oxalus. Next, we have Pyrene, another woman of, Ma- of like Macedon, and she bore Cycnus and sometimes Diomedes, king of the Bistones of Thrace to Ares. Usually it's just Cycnus, though, um, but I mean, it's just versions. So keep it all in mind. Uh, next, we have Rhea Silvia. She was the daughter of Numitor and was appointed as a Vestal Virgin by Amulius. And she bore to Mars two children named Romulus and Remus, who were exposed in a basket on the Tiber River by Amulius. The basket floated till it was found by a she-wolf and the sacred woodpecker Picus, who fed and reared them until Amulius's chief shepherd Faustulus found them and took them to his home for his wife, Laurentia, although she's also known as Aka Laurentia, so either one works, A-C-C-A for the Aka. Next, we have Terina, T-E-R-E-I-N-E. She was a daughter of Strymon, a river, and a naiad nymph of the Triballoi of Thrace, and she bore Thrasa to Ares. And then finally, we have Tritea. She was a sea nymph, daughter of Triton, and priestess to Athena, and she bore Melanippus to Ares. And that's pretty much it. Um, there aren't too many, like, lovers, seemingly. I think the kids will just have a lot bigger stories, uh, and some will have some pretty deep connections, unless I choose to avoid them for sake of getting way too deep into things. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much everything. Uh, so next time we will, in part two, we're going to discuss all the famous stories Ares involved in, which is not a small amount by any notion. That will help us better characterize the god, which I think is really critical when trying to like learn about them is like who are they right and i think the stories they're involved in are obviously the easiest way to learn about them so as always i hope it was fun fun uh interesting and cool to learn hopefully i did not was not as monotonous as usual um if you have any questions comments suggestions or concerns you have my email otherwise i'll see you next time on episode 10 of season 2 where we talk about harry's and the famous stories he was involved in Other than that, I'll see you next time. Take care.